Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? What is happening, Daniel? What is happening? <laughs> it's out of control. It's out of control. But you really do have to learn, uh, folks, and I think a lot of you who listen to my show have already figured this out. You have to learn to interpret what you see on TV these days. Yeah. Um, I have some clips, one from Sarah Carter. I'm also going to get into some stuff. Devin Nunes, the Republican congressman from California, has been on the news saying lately. And uh, you have to translate what they're talking about. Um, there's been some real, real tier one level important stuff coming out lately. And we are right at the cusp. So, you know, in the giant arc of the Spygate story, folks, it's coming to an end. So for those of you who love it, you may be a little sad. Um, for those of you who uh, who hate it, you probably a little happy. For those of you who hate what happened but are intrigued by the story, um, it, the story arc is coming to a close, and we can finally start to put some big pieces together and some holes that we're missing. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and don't worry about us, folks. We'll find something to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah, believe me, there is uh, more. Trust me, more, we survived yeah. for two years, um, but there, it, not, there were some real holes of getting <laughs> filled in here. So I got a big show for you today. I also want to address something that happened on Kavanaugh and the real strategy here that I, I don't want any of you to miss. All right, today's show brought to you by, uh, by my humble opinion. Uh, listen, nobody wants to talk about draws, right? I'm not talking about drawers like open and close the drawers. I'm talking about drawers, underwear. Nobody wants to talk about underwear. Tidy whiteys. See, I'm not a tidy whiteys yeah. guy. But Pair of Thieves has the most comfortable. They sent me a sample of this stuff, and I called up my the company, May, and I was like, May, she I deal with her with the advertisers. I'm like, get the, I want them as a sponsor ASAP because I live in Florida, and comfortable drawers are the only way to go, folks. I'm sorry. This is the way to rock and roll, Pair of Thieves. If you're not wearing these, you're making a huge mistake. On average, men keep their underwear for seven long years until they're tattered, soiled, and stained shells of what they once were. Do not be that guy. Pair of Thieves are the the most comfortable underwear I've ever worn. Hands down, Daddy-O. Look at you. Oh, look at Joseph. <laughs> he's not actually showing me underwear he's wearing. I just want to be clear on that. Please. He just went through a you Don't you love him? Oh, yeah. How like, comfortable yeah, are these things? Yeah, it's you know I hate to say it, but it's like you're not even wearing anything. They're the yeah. greatest things ever. I love them. Their proprietary moisture wicking fabric keeps you cool and fresh. It's like AC for downstairs, hey. but feels like you're wearing nothing at all. What does proprietary mean anyway? In this case, it means the competition's been trying to copy this fabric for four years and they failed. One of the guys who started pair of these says all his wife ever wants to see him is in a pair of these briefs. They're awesome. Everybody loves these things. Try them out. If they're not instantly your favorite pair of underwear, they'll give you your money back for a limited time this month only our listeners will get 20 percent off their first order at pair of thieves.com slash bongino that's pair of thieves.com slash bongino get 20 percent off pair of thieves.com slash bongino they are definitely worth the time thanks for your patience okay getting right to it so sarah carter uh was on hannity's radio show on i believe wednesday and i've been holding this because i've been doing a little homework on the side uh because sarah and i have I don't know, maybe some of the same sources. Maybe you know, we don't share names because we wouldn't do that to people. But um, I get some information from different people. So I, I was careful on this. I want to play this cut and I want to relate it to a larger ongoing story arc because this is huge. And for those of you who've been asking, is there going to be criminal penalties in this case? This cut may answer your questions. I'm hearing it even gets worse than this, that there potentially is out there. Uh, if you will, two sets of record among the upper echelon of the FBI, one that was real and one that was made for appearances. Is there any truth to this? 
Absolutely, Sean. Um, I think that right now, especially with the number of sources that I've been speaking with, as, as well as uh, some others, that there is evidence indicating that the FBI had uh, separate sets of books. And if that is the case, I mean, it, it certainly appears that this, as Greg has already stated over and over again, that there could be and there will be criminal charges pressed against people. <laughs> now... I've been telling you to take it easy forever when it comes to certain people at the DOJ. I get it. I get people are upset with Sessions. I'm not going to go into that whole thing again. I understand. but I and, and things are not going as fast as we'd like them. But stop believing whoever's telling you that there's nothing going on behind the scenes. Ladies and gentlemen, there is something going on behind the scenes. We found out recently that a grand jury has been impaneled and is looking into the deputy director, the former deputy director, Andy McCabe, who had a central role in all of this. Now, this is something I I caught wind of a little while back, um, but Sarah's an investigative reporter who does great job with fantastic resources. I am not. I have a a lot of, I'm a conservative content producer. I have some sources on stuff, but this is interesting where there are two sets of books. Now, is it starting to come together for you now? Oh. Do you remember a few weeks ago when I said that the declassification moment that we've now seen is going to be key because we're going to see a couple things, folks, and this is what's going to matter. We're going to see a set of investigative interviews, 302s, investigative summaries of the FBI's interviews with Bruce Orr from the DOJ, who was keeping contact with Christopher Steele and had a deep perspective of all of what was going on, right? We're also going to see what was in the FISA warrant. So when she says two sets of books, I don't think she literally means like marble notebooks scribbled out official and then unofficial. I think what she's getting at, and I could be wrong, I haven't coordinated this messaging with Sarah at all or anything like that. Um, she has her own operation going on at SarahACarter.com, which is a really cool website, by the way. Um, I believe what she may be hinting at here is that the FBI kept ongoing records of their communications with Bruce Orr vis-a-vis, uh, oh, Christopher Steele vis-a-vis Bruce Orr at the Department of Justice. Yeah, you're darn right. But that information did not then make it into the FISA warrants. Now, this is why the text messages are, are going to be critical, and this is why Devin Nunes keeps coming out on the news. I'll tie this up for you. Don't worry if you're getting a little confused here. This is why Devin Nunes keeps coming out on the news and saying, listen, there are things that haven't been disclosed yet that I think are going to blow people's minds. Now, one of the defenses I believe the Bureau has had up to this point is, well, we may have had suspicions that Carter Page was a Russian agent because of this, this, and this, but, but, but. What if the 302s and accompanying texts say the exact opposite? Let me paint for you a hypothetical to make this thing make sense, right? You have one set of materials being presented to the FISA court that hinges on one critical factor to be able to spy on the Trump team. It hinges around the fact that you must show, Joseph, that Carter Page is, in fact, an agent of the Russian government in violation of U.S. law. All right. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. You have have to establish this information as spy. What if in another set of text messages where you're talking to each other back and forth so you're not going to be able to claim any more plausible deniability? I didn't know. Remember, Donald Trump has declassified the text messages. I went into what's going on yesterday. Uh, uh, if 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 you missed yesterday's show, please catch up on it. 
with the text messages, how they were after hours. These guys were too lazy to get on their FBI computers and were transmitting likely at a minimum sensitive information over unclassed devices after hours to all be the guys who were like the briefers, right? Mm -hmm. That was yesterday's show. But what if in those text messages, right? They talk about the information that is in those 302s that uh, the uh, the FBI debriefs of Bruce Orr and in those FBI 302, uh, 302s and in exchanges in the text, they acknowledge that Carter Page may not, in fact, be a Russian agent. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the hardest thing to understand and the simplest thing to understand at the yeah. same time. 302s, FISA's, all the stuff. All you need to know is this. When she says two sets of books, Sarah Carter, and her sources are great, I don't think she's literally talking about two sets of books. I think what she's talking about here is she's talking about FBI folks off the record saying one thing. Hey, Carter Page is probably not a Russian spy. This is likely a ruse, right, Joe? You tracking me? Oh, yes, tracking. But in the FISA warrants, when they have to go and swear in front of a judge and put their right hand up like I'm doing now to producer Joe, they're swearing to the judge what they're telling you is true. Folks, this is a huge deal. Now, I'm going to get to the Nunes stuff in a minute because I was having a bit of a hard time, hence uh, the reason I haven't addressed it yet, deciphering some of the stuff he's been talking about on the on the news. But I just want to finish off with Sarah Carter's uh, hit here and get to a little more of this, and then we'll move on to that. I think, I, I think I've been able to get the Nunes translator out, but play the rest of Carter. Well, if the, wait a minute. So in other words, they're saying one thing publicly, but the, right. the real story, the real set of books is held privately among how many people are we talking about and high, how high up in the echelon of the DOJ FBI? I think there are quite a few people, um, especially higher ups. Uh, I, I will not name names until all of the evidence is out there, but there were certain people above Peter Strzok and above Lisa Page that were aware of this. Um, I also believe that there are people within the FBI that have actually turned on their former employers and are possibly even testifying uh, and, and reporting uh, what happened inside the FBI to both the inspector general and possibly even a grand jury. Oh, oh, boy. Joe, that's going to hurt, buddy. Oh, isn't it? We might leave a mark, to the, babe. To the Woo. grand jury we already know exists. Again, I've been telling you guys for a while, based on solid information, not fairy tale like stuff that there are things going on behind the scenes we now know there is a grand jury we know that because it was leaked to the washington post and other newspapers that this grand jury is looking into this but there's a couple interesting tidbits in there right mm. first sarah kind of gives it away a little bit um she says there are people above peter stroke who may have known about these two sets of books and again just to be clear we're talking about the fbi saying one thing off the record carter page isn't a russian spy And then on the record in the FISA court saying, holy Moses, Carter Page is definitely a Russian spy. (laughs) Folks, morally, ethically awful. But it may we may be looking at potential crimes here. Let's be let's be candid. But what she said is very telling. And again, if you know how to read the read the tea leaves here, you'll see where she goes with this. She says there are people above Peter Stroke, Joe, who may have known about this. Well, Joe, Peter Stroke was in in the FBI was about at the five or six level. I mean, I'm trying to put numbers. It's difficult to categorize because there's laterals too. There's Mm -hmm. people who are laterally equivalent in rank, but there are very few people above Peter Stroke. Peter Stroke was the lead investigator in the Trump case and in the Clinton case before he got the boot in the Trump case, right? 
But let's follow the chain of command to deduce logically. Let's do the Sarah Carter translator. I mean that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Who might have known about this? Who's the director of the FBI at the time, Joe? Jim Comey. Yeah. Who's the deputy director? Andy McCabe. Who sits right under Andy McCabe in the division that investigates all this? The counterintel and tell stop. Bill Prystep. And who is beneath Bill Prystep? Peter Stroke. So what I'm telling you, folks, is Carter, by the process of elimination here, has told us who her source at least believes was intimately involved in the keeping of two separate sets of, quote, books on this case, which could be potentially devastating. Can you imagine if holier than now, Mm. phony fraud Jim Comey the entire time, Joe, was was swearing that this investigation they had into Trump was legitimate while simultaneously texting his inner circle that the whole thing was a steaming pile of flaming horse manure dude 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 i you see where i'm going with this right sarah's great but if she says the people were involved were probably above peter's stroke then that narrows it down to comey mccabe and price step we're about to find out who stroked don I had to do that, Dan. All righty. Yeah, you can't. You can't contain. But at least you're not doing the pirates anymore. We're done with the pirates. Don't start me. You get where I'm going with this? This is a massive scare. That was a huge revelation on Wednesday. Again, the only reason I kind of held it for a day or two is not, Sarah, again, our swords are great. It's just I wanted to make sure I could reasonably explain it to you and be comfortable knowing that. There's other stuff going on. Now, here's the other angle to it that I was kind of holding. Price Step, who's a... So remember, you have Comey Director, McCabe Deputy, Price Step right underneath them, and then Stroke underneath them. Price Step appears in a press release not that long ago about a pretty significant uh, criminal intel operation the FBI was running. What does that have to do with anything? Well, the second half of that piece, Carter brings up an interesting point. She says, I believe, again, she's quoting, she's citing her sources here, that there are people above stroke, and we've narrowed it down to those folks, who may, in fact, be cooperating. How does that relate to Bill Prystep, who is above strokes, name appearing on a press release not that long ago? Folks, let me ask you just a really simple question. Mm. You're an FBI high upper level manager like Bill Prystep, essentially two two steps down from the director, right? You're running the division mm-hmm. that investigated Hillary's email case. You're running the division that investigated Donald Trump's case. You've also been involved, at least your name has surfaced in the malfeasance involved in the case. Do you think the FBI is going to allow your name to appear on a press release? If you were intimately involved in some known criminal activity that was going on right now, I'm just asking, folks. I mean, I'm just asking a pretty simple question here, but I think the answer is obvious. The answer is, of course not. I highly suspect, as I've said before to many people multiple times, uh, to Joe as well, that I'm I'm almost 100% confident that Price Step is still there because he's providing some information on the entire operation. Now, think about that. This is the guy two steps down from Jim Comey. Comey, McCabe, Price Step. And he also supervised Peter Stroke. How incredible would it be if this guy is providing information to a grand jury on the case on both McCabe and Stroke? This guy is the meat in the sandwich. He's got McCabe above him and he's got Stroke below him. 
This is perfect. You can't get any better than this. That is the guy you want. If there's anybody you want, that's the guy you want, folks. You want Bill Prystep to talk. And the fact, again, just to be crystal clear, the fact to be crystal clear here that his name appeared on a press release that the on a, on a case the FBI is working right now says to me that there's no chance in hell that this guy isn't cooperating right now. I would be absolutely astonished if he wasn't. All right, let's see. We got a lot to get to today. So that's an important point there. All right, second uh, second thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, Devin Nunes. Nunes has been all over the news, and Nunes has been talking about the... Uh, Excuse me. The the case, and he keeps saying how there's a bi- there's bigger bombs yet to drop here, and that the insurance policy basically may not be what we think it is. Now, Jeff Carlson, who does some terrific work over at uh, the Epoch Times over there, and I have some of his stuff in the show notes today. I encourage you to read it at Bongino.com. Jeff Carlson has a piece out talking about what we believe to be the insurance policy now, and how the insurance policy, what it was thought to be in the past, folks, was just the dossier. Now. I laid out for you plan A, plan B, and plan C, and the insurance policy in light of those three plans should make the make a world of sense. In other words, plan A was going to be the unmasking strategy, using unmasking and national security letters. Uh, it also, I believe, may have been the tapping into the NSA database using these about queries in the, in the NSA database. Um, these about uh, queries, eventually I believe they got caught by Mike Rogers. Plan A got shut down. They had to move to plan B. I believe plan B was what they were referencing when they were talking about an insurance policy in the case. But what was thought to be plan B in the past was the dossier. In other words, using political information given to them by the Hillary campaign. I hope you understand this. To continue to spy on the Trump team, despite the fact that they're their unmasking 702 query operation was probably shut down. I believe it's bigger than that now. I believe Nunes, that's what he's hinting at. And what I believe what happened here, folks, what I believe may have happened requires us to go back a ways. Joe, we have to go back to something a long time ago me and you talked about. And what we talked about a long time ago was what Devin Nunes Right after the presidential election, when Dan Coats, I promise this will make sense, is appointed to be the director of national intelligence. He's the big guy now. He's the Trump appointee. They finally get someone in who's approved and confirmed. Mm-hmm. The, nearly the minute this happens, Devin Nunes makes his way over to the 18-acre White House complex. And he goes over there to look at some documents. Remember this, Joe? This is a while ago. Yeah. But I I think you may see where I'm going with this. You may not, but that's okay because we really discussed this a long time ago, but it's critical now because, again, I'm getting back to the point that when they move from plan A to plan B, plan B was not just the dossier. Plan B may have been something bigger than just the dossier. And the Nunes trip to the White House, I think, points points exactly to where he's going with this. That initial trip over to the White House is key. Why? Folks... The way intelligence works within the federal government infrastructures, you have these, you have these various systems, you know, the SIPRNET and things like that. And some of the information is so highly classified that it is not shared on open Internet sources, even through encryption. It's kept in specific locations. And in order for you to access that information, that compartmentalized information, you have to go to actual facilities to get that information and you can't remove it from there. Please follow me here. 
because this is going to make sense as to how they moved from plan A to plan B, the insurance policy, and how the insurance policy was not just the dossier or the political information they got from Hillary on Trump. I think it was bigger than that. Mm. Now, that Nunes trip makes a world of sense because if you understand what I just told you, that very specific, sensitive information, Joe, is kept in very specific facilities, then why would Devin Nunes have to go over to the White House? Maybe because the information was only kept on the White House complex? Mm. Now, what would that be? What kind of information, Joe, would only be kept on the White House complex, not emailable, not over-encrypted traffic? Um, it's not at any other location. It's kept uh, cataloged and categorized at one location where Devin New- Now, the Democrats, keep in mind, call this the midnight run. They think he was going over to the White House to coordinate this with Trump mm-hmm. because they're stupid and they're liars. They know it's not the case. They're just making this up. The midnight run. They're making it up. The reason Nunes went over there, folks, is probably because this was information briefed to Obama. Now, remember, <laughs> the one... Big hook. We have yet to put together. This is why I told you at the beginning of the show, the loop is starting to close. We are finally in, I think, the end months of Spygate and getting all the information together on Spygate. The one connection we have consistently failed to make, both here and elsewhere, I I shouldn't say fail. I've, I've given you some information. You should put the puzzle pieces together yourself at this point, is the direct connection to the White House. Notice, did you ever notice how in the whole Spygate thing, Obama's name almost never comes up? Mm -hmm. Brennan comes up, Susan Rice comes up, Jim Clapper comes up, Jim Comey comes up, Andy McCabe comes up. Joe, don't you find that a little suspicious that Obama's name never, ever comes up? This is one of those, you know, uh, protect the king moments at all costs. Absolutely. Folks, if that information, information that was in the dossier made it over to the presidential daily brief, folks, we have a big big problem we have a Watergate Watergate what looks like an episode of Romper Room it also would explain why you know another reason why Bob Mueller was brought in Remember, one of the top DOJ officials Department of Justice officials who would be involved in the vetting of information and the verifying of information used to be brought in front of the FISA court is an individual by the name of John Carlin. He was Obama's DOJ National Security Division head. Remember the name? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. He had another job, though, Joe, before that. Bobby M. Bobby Mueller. Yeah, who had Bobby M. How was he related to Bobby? Oh, he was his chief of staff. That's right. Now, put the pieces together, what I'm telling you here. Plan A, unmasking. Potential queries into the NSA database. Remember, this is all to spy on Trump and take the Trump team down. And potentially others too. Remember what I told you in that show a while back about the possibility it was Victoria Nuland who said about other dossiers. Hmm. Were there other candidates involved too? Did we have a massive spying operation on political party opposition being run out of the White House that Mike Rogers exposes and shuts down? Plan B, let's use the FISA courts. If we can't spy using the NSA database, Joe, we'll just get a FISA warrant on one of them. We'll use the two-hop rule and we'll hop around. But we don't have any information for the FISA court. Well, I tell you what we can do. Let's keep these two sets of books because I remember this guy, Carter Page. 
My name's Peter Stroke, Andy McKay. Didn't this guy Carter Page working on a Trump team? Didn't we have some communications with him a while ago? Yeah, yeah. but he was helping us in the Russia yeah. case. All right, let's keep that off this set of books. And let's talk about that stuff on text messages and on these internal reports behind the scenes. But let's not tell the FISA court about that. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Also, the Department of Justice is going to have to vet a lot of this information. But don't worry, we got Carlin over there at DOJ, National Security Division, right? The dossier becomes point number two. It becomes this plan B number two where they bedrock the whole thing around. You say, well, Dan, how is this not the insurance policy? But Carlson, Carlson at the markets, uh, excuse me, at the, at the Epoch Times, he moved over there, has an interesting theory there. He has a theory that the, the insurance policy, and I think based on the information he presents, he's a fantastic writer. He may be onto something. That the insurance policy, Joe, may have been the intelligence community assessment that was issued at the end of the year after the election. Remember the intelligence community assessment, Joe? 17 intel agencies have yeah. determined that the Russians... and Thank you. That may have been, and the dossier may have been a component of that. This may have been a larger, larger storyline than just about the dossier. The insurance policy, Joe was going to be a concerted effort to corrupt our intel agencies into issuing this joint statement to discredit the election almost immediately before Trump even swears into office. This may be bigger than just the dossier and oppo research on Trump, folks. This may have been a concerted effort between various players who were not smart enough to cover their tracks to not only ding up Republican candidates throughout the camp, candidates throughout the plan A cycle. When they figured out it was Trump, they moved to plan B to spy on Trump. When they spy on Trump and they don't get anything, they use the dossier and the political information to put together an intelligence community assessment issued after the election to be fed right to the press that gives the imprimatur, Joe, of the intelligence community that this in fact happened, that the Russians overthrew the election, that Trump's illegitimate, that it may have been bigger than just Trump collusion. It may have been a way to discredit the entire election. Now, again, what does this have to do with Devin Nunes taking a stroll over to the White House? Conveniently, ladies and gentlemen, right after Trump appoints a a DNI and he's confirmed Dan Coates to be the director of national intelligence. One, Coates probably had some role in allowing Nunes to see the information. What I believe Nunes may have been looking at over there is he may have been looking at information contained in the presidential daily brief. Now, I'm repeating myself because I never told you why this is so damaging outside of the obvious. Number one, Joe, is it directly fish hooks in (laughs) Barack Obama himself? Mm -hmm. What what is Obama going to say? Joe, um, the president's daily brief is, uh, do you think the president's daily brief is called the president's daily brief because it's used in the Supreme Court? Uh, It's used to brief the president. Uh, Dude. You're a genius. You are. A, I don't know what you're doing in that morning show in the morning, Me. taking cognitive enhancers or fish oil or what. You're clearly a genius. So you don't think it's used. It's not called the Congressional Daily Brief, right? No. It's the President's Daily Brief. Bingo. It's going to be pretty hard, folks, if information <laughs> that appeared in the dossier that originated from Hillary Clinton's camp that was paid political research made it into the White House. Because number one, it implicates Obama. But number two, there's a bigger story here. Yes, the, the obvious one is it implicates Obama. It's called the PDB. The second story is the Nunes translator here. (laughs) Do you notice how Nunes Joe in almost every one of his appearances constantly insists that none of this was passed through official channels? Intel channels, that is. 
Mm. It's intelligence, right? Yeah. Intelligence that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians, allegedly, to overthrow an election, is actual and an intelligence product that's supposed to be vetted, like, and matter of fact, should be extra vetted because of the seriousness of the charges. I'm not crazy, right? Understood. Nunes, and you and I have played, gosh, 10, 20, 30 of his clips on the show at Maria Bartiromo, yeah. they're all gold. Nunes always makes a point to say how none of this information came through official channels. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question, right? Because I worked in the White House for five years. Now, granted, I did not put together the presidential daily brief, but I know exactly, exactly who goes in and how it happens, okay? I'll leave it at that. Joe, do you think, just a wild guess here, I'm asking you to pause it here. Um, do you think the president's daily brief that the Central Intelligence Agency, when it's done right, mm-hmm. probably puts forth its best effort to make sure what they're briefing the president is in fact true? Just a guess. Yeah, I'll guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I mean, well, why would you think that? I mean, maybe because they don't want to be embarrassed and they don't want the president to start a nuclear war. Just a guess, Joe. You think that could yeah, be possible? They, they, they should want to do the right thing with the president. Yeah. They, Okay, right. Yeah. So they have official channels of yeah. intelligence with multiple vetting procedures yeah. and stop gaps to make sure, Joe, I'll give you like an example. Like, Joe, Joe, you, Joe lives in, um, in near Saverna Park, Maryland, where yeah. I used to live. There's a Chipotle down there. So if Joe is in the Chipotle and he hears a guy behind him and the guy behind him is reading a comic book and in the comic book they're talking about a nuclear war in the United States, do you think Joe should pass that directly to President Trump? Or you think Joe maybe would hand it off to the local police department, to the CIA, that would figure out pretty quickly by looking at the videotape that the guy was reading a comic book, not telling a narrative? Yeah. Do you think that's probably the way they handle this stuff, Joe? Yeah, I, I think that that's what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> safe, safe guess, right? We can safely assume that, folks, the presidential daily brief is one of the most thoroughly vetted documents you will see in the federal government. I assure you, is there speculation in there? Of course, there are degrees of certainty in there, but the information does not make it in there based on hearsay because of the potential that the commander-in-chief of the United States with the ability to literally, not figuratively, start a nuclear war tomorrow doesn't see stuff that they know is bogus or biased. Folks, what did Nunes see over there? When he went over to the White House complex, because remember... That information is there, Joe. You see where I was talking? Yeah, it's not yeah. you if you want to see that is the the key point in this. Why did Nunes have to go to the White House? Why didn't he go to the CIA? Don't let this don't let this small tidbit escape. I covered this months ago, but this is a critical component to now squaring the entire circle. Square the circle, make the edges fit. Now the case is finally coming together and it ropes in Obama. Nunez's visit, I believe it was in March, over to the White House complex now makes all the sense in the world. What were they trying to hide? They were probably trying to hide the fact that the dossier, a garbage piece of political crappery paid for by Hillary Clinton, somehow bypassed official intelligence channels. And don't tell me for a second with a straight face that John Brennan didn't know about this. Brennan didn't know that they were circumventing official channels. That may have somehow made it into the president's brief. Folks, again, this is the mother of all bombs. You may say, ah, yeah, you know, whatever. You say that all the time. It's because it's true. It implicates the White House, number one, decimates the credibility of John Brennan's leadership at the CIA. 
And it speaks to the weaponization, not only of specific entities, but of the White House itself. That's probably why Nunes went over there. Nothing else makes sense at this point. Remember Occam's razor. Keep it simple, stupid. Why else would Nunes go over there? Why create even the perception of political partisanship by visiting the White House? Why would he do that? He's not dumb, Nunes. Because he wasn't trying to create a partisan game, a a midnight run to meet meet with Trump. He was going to look at documents that were only available in those specific facilities right there. Why else would he wait till right after Dan Coats, Trump's nominee for the director of national intelligence position, was appointed? What else makes sense? The answer is nothing. Nothing else makes sense at this point. The Obama team had to know about this. There was clearly something in that. Now, to be clear where I'm speculating on this, to be fair to you, I no longer have any doubt that there was information in the PDB that was briefed to Obama that somebody was trying to hide. None. Because Nunes came out of that and he gave a press conference afterwards entirely freaked out. Talking about how some of the information was not related to Russian hacking and appeared political. I mean, we have it, and I can Mm -hmm. pull it for Monday's show, but we've played it on this show before. I'm not going to ask you to search. Maybe I'll pull it for Monday. That'd be actually a good call. I got to remind myself to do that. If I forget, Joe, let me know. But I will pull it for Monday. But needless to say, he comes out of it very freaked out. He makes a couple points. Some of the information appeared political, and that some of it was not related to Russian interference. Folks, clearly something brief to Obama didn't make sense. Something smelled bad. But that storyline and that story arc, did you notice in the wonkery of Spygate and all the twists and turns and GCHQ and Hannigan, the NSA and national security letters of Peter Stroke and Tex, in all of that, the connection to Obama has been seemingly lost. We may finally be closing in on the real connection that the White House may have been involved in what happened here. I know and I'm confident telling you that something that was said to the president, briefed to the president through his specific located intelligence stream at the White House was probably something they want to make go away really quick. My suspicions to you are exactly that, that they probably had two sets of books, like Sarah Carter sources are saying. They had one set of books, which was a political strike on Carter Page. They had another set of books that was actual investigative work done on Carter Page. The one set of books, whether it's notes, text, 302s, indicated they had nothing on Page. The second set of books said, we need to spy on the Trump team. Plan A's been shut down. Let's just not tell the FISA court what's in these books. Let's tell them this instead. Oh, my gosh, folks. This is like, this is third world republic stuff. This is this is unbelievable. All right. Um, I got more. I want a little noise so I read that. And, and again, I really appreciate your patience with the sponsors. They really want to be here. They enjoy talking to you. And uh, we try to keep our ads to a minimum. So uh, we only run three ads per show. So uh, I really appreciate your patience here. Uh, just give me a second here. I want to talk about Beachbody On Demand. I love Beachbody On Demand. I use it myself. My wife uses it. Matter of fact, after the pregnancy... She had our, our second child. She got shredded on beach, but she was using P90X and uh, uh, Insanity. She was using that for, what is it, like two months, and she looked like a, a fitness competitor. She's incredible. 
I like the core to force because of the mixed martial arts stuff. It keeps your it keeps your abs pretty ripped, day the truth. Listen, this company has a history of success. They're behind P90X, uh, 21 Day Fix, T25, Pio, Hip Hop Abs, all you've heard of their programs before, Beach Body on Demand. We know why you've heard of them because they're the best. They have world-class trainers. Get motivated by celebrity super trainers you know, like Sean T, Shailene Johnson, Tony Horton, and Autumn Calabrese. They have the best programs. They have over 700 700, that's 700 workouts for all fitness levels, ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio to high-intensity training, yoga, even dance workouts that give you nutrition help. They have programs that make eating right easier, dozens of easy-to-follow meal plans, and hundreds of delicious recipes online. Plus, here's the nice part. You work out on your schedule. Why pay a trainer? You got to meet them. You got to drive there. Sometimes they don't show up. They're late. Maybe they're mean to you. Maybe they're not. Not with Beachbody On Demand. Work out on your own schedule. They have workouts that require no equipment. They have other workouts that do have equipment. They have workouts that are 10 minutes. They have workouts that are longer. That's what's great about this program. Access it anywhere, anytime. Computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV. It's the best deal in fitness. I love it. My wife loves it. She swears by it. It is absolutely terrific. What are you waiting for? Join a million people currently on Beachbody On Demand. Go to, for a special free trial membership, I want you to text 303030 to Dan B. So text 303030 303030 text Dan B to 303030 30, 30. sorry I just want to make sure you get this right you will get a special free trial membership when you text Dan B D A N B to 303030 30. text Dan B to 303030 30, 30. you'll get full access to the entire platform for free all the workouts and nutrition information and support just text Dan B to 30, 30, 30. You will not regret it. They are terrific, terrific programs. You know I love fitness. Okay. All right, folks. So just to sum that up and move on to a couple other things because this is really important. I, and by the way, I'm, I'm sensing there's a problem here. The shift in cooperation in the case. Chuck Ross has a really great piece I have up in the show notes today um, at the Daily Caller. Please check it out upon Gino.com. It means a lot to me. Uh, Chuck Ross has a piece up. Now, Joe, Nellie Orr, who's Bruce Orr's wife, Bruce Orr was mm-hmm. the Number four at the Department of Justice um, knows John Carlin and all them. Bruce Orr's wife, Nellie, as many of you already know, was working for Fusion GPS, the company responsible for compiling the dossier. Joe, ever since the announcement that the texts were going to be exposed, mm-hmm. and to be clear, when I say the text, I'm talking about the text between McCabe and Comey, what I think it's going to expose is this second set of, quote, books where they were talking about one thing, ah, Page isn't guilty. <laughs> and on the other side, they're pitching to the FISA court that Carter Page is guilty. You get it? Oh, yeah. Ever since the word Trump was going to declassify the text, which wasn't really in the strand. And you listen to yesterday's show to cover the whole thing about why that matters, right? Ever since that became public, there has been a stunning turnabout in the case. And what's the stunning turnabout show? Nobody wants to talk anymore. All of a sudden, you, right. you remember Chatty Peter Stroke? Peter yeah. Stroke up there with the smirk. Remember the smirk? Joe, me oh, and you yeah. get the video. That stupid smirk he had. Peter Stroke was so cocky up there on the hill. There's word, and Chuck Ross has in his piece, that supposedly Peter Stroke and Nellie Orr now are saying, um... We're good with this cooperation thing, Daddy-O. Um, tell you what, we're just going to stick with this. You subpoena us, and then we'll talk. Wait, what? I thought you were... Peter Stroke, he, he sat up there. I did nothing wrong. So indignant. I did righteous indignation. Nothing wrong. I'm Peter Stroke. How dare you question me? I'm the number four individual in the FBI. And he's, now all of a sudden, he's asked to come back after these, after these texts. And he's like, ah, <laughs> I think I'm going to need a subpoena. Oh, ferret face. <laughs> Where did you think of that one? 
That's funny, man. <laughs> ferret face. I'm never now. I can't get. You're right. He does have the ferret he face, does have right? Ferret face. Yeah. <laughs> so Stroke and Orr apparently have stopped cooperating. I'm telling you, the reason is probably because of this great analogy of two sets of books. The texts are likely going to disclose that all of the information was indicating this entire time that. Page was, in fact, not a Russian spy. The information was political. And once it became more obvious that this information they were getting in the dossier about Page being a spy, once it became obvious that it was going to fall apart, instead of going to the court, Joe, and saying, we made a mistake, what did they do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They renewed the damn thing three times, the (laughs) FISA warrant. I mean, talk about a a tragic comedy of errors. You mean FISA? Yeah, there's a big-ass rubber stamp, dude. (laughs) Where did you get that? Uh, it was a listener sent that to me. Yeah. <laughs> you can say, by the way, go to, you're at Joe Haas one on Twitter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If you have sound for Joe, tweet him. Yeah. Tweet him the link at Joe Haas one with a Z at Joe Haas one on Twitter. And Joe, Joe watches his Twitter. I mean, not mm-hmm. every 10 minutes like me, but he'll get it. If you have some good stuff, he's happy to put yeah. it. As long as it's not like it's a family friendly show. You yeah. got to bleep out the cussing. Yeah. He can do it for you, but don't give him any extra work. All right, folks. So that's that story. The Sarah Carter thing is a real bombshell. I only held it a bit because I was waiting to hear about Price Step, and I really believe Price Step is cooperating. He is the number three in this chain of command. I think he's going to expose this. I believe this grand jury's been impaneled. Uh, so that's big takeaway number two. One big takeaway number two is I believe I've finally figured out in the Nunes translator what's going on here, that this connection to the White House is probably now uh, becoming very transparent by way of information that was exchanged in these texts, and that's why President Trump is declassifying it. So, well, be proven right or i'll be proven wrong within the coming weeks but joe i think i don't think we've been proven wrong in anything yet not yet i'm pretty sure we've been spot where you have like a hundred percent record of success on this yeah, so freaky um, man yeah it's been good okay uh, a couple other things i wanted to get to just a quick newsy story before i get to this kavanaugh thing uh folks don't freak out just yet about this alleged blue wave The reason I say that is there are some signs of life out there in the electorate which aren't receiving a lot of PR. Uh, Just two quick things because I I want you to understand this. There have been cases out there, two specific cases I've seen recently, where we're seeing one critical thing. Yes, I stipulate the point, and you you should too at this point. There's a lot of anti-Trump anger. Us ignoring that just makes us look like idiots, okay? We were angry at Obama. The left is angry at Trump. It's not news. It doesn't make Trump a bad guy. You know I support the president. I'm just saying us pretending that there's not anti-Trump anger is just dumb. I get it. Right. Point number two, though, is there is also a feeling amongst a lot of people that for as much as some moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans may not like the president, they're starting to realize this guy has become a darn effective leader. Uh, we're seeing some 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 small steps in North Korea. The economy has been an obvious success story. You have to be an imbecile to ignore that. We're also seeing some uh, health care prices start to level off, even with the disastrous community rating and uh, guaranteed issue of Obamacare still in effect. But we're starting to see the economy really pick up, and we're starting to see deregulatory reform. Bottom line is this. Takeaway number two. One, anti-Trump anger exists. Takeaway number two is candidates still matter. Joe, you're living through it right now. You bet. Who am I talking about? Who's running for governor of Maryland? You're talking about Larry Hogan running against Ben Jealous. Yeah. 
Now, listen, I'm not a, I'm not really a Hogan guy. I don't mean Larry's mm-hmm. a nice guy. We've always been friends. I'm mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact, I wouldn't endorse it because it would hurt him. <laughs> I should anti endorse Larry. Probably help him get elected. <laughs> it really it doesn't. Larry doesn't need me. I don't need Larry. But I have to tell you, Larry Hogan has shown himself to be not really a strong conservative, but a skilled politician. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I ran in Maryland. Maryland, Joe, Joe lives there now. Nobody, trust me when I tell you, nobody knows politics better than this cat. He is on this morning politics show, Joe, WCBM, every morning and has heard from every politician in Maryland for the last 30 years. Oh, you can bet. Joe, yeah. Maryland is, not, is probably the bluest state in the union. Yeah. It's not the biggest, but I would argue it's the bluest. I have yeah. a ton of data on that. They have a lot of government employees. The percentage of minority voters yeah. is very high. They tend to vote Democrat. Those are just the statistics, not my opinion. Maryland is a very difficult blue state. So in a year where we're stipulating the fact that anti-Trump um, animus is at, at, at near peaks, I mean, at near psychotic levels, how is it that Larry Hogan, a Republican, is running for re-election? Against Ben Jealous, the former head of the NAACP, and the last poll I saw, he's up by like 16 points. Hogan, not Jealous. Folks, because candidates matter. Listen, he's not the strongest conservative in the world, okay? Let's just get over that. There's a couple issues he's been pretty awful on. But you have to be practical in Maryland. Do you want to save your state with Larry Hogan, or you want Ben Jealous in charge. Ben Jealous can't figure out how to pay anything. Bottom line is Hogan has figured out how to kind of parse the issues in a way where he can appeal to people on the other side. Candidates still matter. That's not the only one. There's a woman down in South Florida running in Eliana Roth's district. She uh, she left Congress. She's going to leave, and now it's an open seat. This is a seat that went for Hillary Clinton by, I believe it was, 19, yeah, 19 points. Folks, this was a gimme for the Democrats. Large Hispanic population in the district. Again, it's not a secret. Minority voters tend to vote Democrat more than Republican. I wish that weren't the case, but it is. It is. Folks, this was a gimme. A gimme. The problem is the Democratic candidate who won the primary, Donna Shalala, has been awful. And the woman on the Republican side, I believe her name is Elvira Salazar. You've probably seen her on Fox once in a while. Has been killing it. She's been crushing it. And according to the latest polls, the thing's a dead heat. One poll that the Salazar campaign, but I had her up by a few points. Mm. Folks, this is a district Hillary won by 19. Candidates still matter. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to give up in this. Ah, ah, forget's over, over. Democrats are all fired up. It's over. Get the heck to the voting booth and vote. One more. Did you hear about the uh, the, the state the, the Texas state senate race? District Hillary Clinton won by 16. They just had a special election. Who won? The Republican. No. Folks, the exam. Charlie Baker again, not the greatest conservative in the world. Republican governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, latest polls, looks like he's up by, uh, you know, double digits again. Folks, people will still split their ticket for good candidates. It happens. I'm just asking you to be patient, get out there and use the 10, 10 and 10 rule. Vote, take 10 friends with you. You don't want to take 10 friends with you, email 10 friends. You don't want to email 10 friends, call 10 friends. Heck, you don't want to call 10 friends, send 10 Facebook messages, 10 tweets before Election Day uh, about getting out to vote. 
we can stop this you know, so-called blue wave and make it a tidy bowl blue wave. But it's going to require you to get out. And I'm telling you, based on these three examples, four, actually, if you include Baker, that candidates matter. Not everybody's going to be a diehard conservative, but they're better than what you're going to get. And even if we were to elect big-time rhinos in rhino districts and Democrat districts, at a minimum, Joe, at least we'll keep the committee chairmanships and not have to look at potential impeachment Mm. charges, which would destroy the Democrats. They would be horrified. It's important. All right. uh, I want to finish up on uh, this story because it's really important about Kavanaugh. There's a really good piece by uh, – it's in the New York Post – by uh, this guy, Sorab, I always say his name wrong. I'm sorry. I'll put it in the New York Post. You can read it. I don't want to mispronounce his name. I don't want to disrespect him, uh, but I pronounce it wrong sometimes. But it's a great piece about the real reason liberals are freaking out right now about Kavanaugh and why this these these charges that appeared at the last minute by this uh, Miss Ford here, why this is probably not the end, Joe. Um, they're just they're freaking out, but there's a reason. All right, our final ad again. I always appreciate your patience, folks. Our next sponsor is, uh, again, dealing with uh, some heavy stuff here, uh, but it's reality and we got to confront it. Today's teenagers are dealing with bigger problems way sooner than when I was coming up in high school. It's true. I mean, and social media bullying has been horrible. With their phones and social media pressure, school shootings, bullying, suicide, and prescription uh, medications given to everyone for everything equals record numbers of young people suffering from debilitating depression, anxiety, and trauma. These kids don't get out anymore folks they sit there online i get battered online by their friend i mean you got bullied by one or two kids when we grew up joe now it's like the whole you know school caves in on yeah. you with the social media most parents feel hopeless to do anything but there is help available paradigm treatment centers can help you get your teen back and restore your family through their award-winning residential treatment program at one of their six california locations youth treatment has a long history of being com- uh, compliance at punitive that's the wrong approach rather than merely containing or shaping behaviors paradigm is committed to assisting teens and their families by addressing the deeper more difficult issues that impact their lives they're accredited by the joint commission the gold standard for healthcare accreditation has the highest staff to teen ratio of any treatment center in the country. If your teen's struggling with depression, anxiety, emotional issues, trauma, social media bullying, or family issues, Paradigm can help. Even if they're not the right program for your family, they'll help you find the right place. Go to ParadigmMalibu.com. That's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino. Spelled Paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, Malibu, M-A-L-I-B-U.com slash Bongino. They've got information there for you and a member ready to talk to someone. ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino. And we'll get it up at my sponsor page on my website. ParadigmMalibu.com slash Bongino. Okay. So, uh, so Rab's piece is interesting because it, it mentions that they, they're panicking now for a reason, Joe. And it was a really elegant point that I think we should all note. I tweeted it out. I, I, I quoted a piece from it. Hmm. Liberals are freaking out, Joe, because just about every victory that they've had over us in the culture wars and elsewhere has been, has been uh, won, not via popular opinion in the vote, but it's been won via the courts. Mm-hmm. Now, here it is. This is the quote, because this is very telling, and I want you to never forget this. The importance of liberals winning the court 
is critical because liberals do not have public opinion on their side. Public opinion is needed for what, Joe, to win elections. Getting elections means getting your people in there in a republic that will enact your agenda. When they can't do that, which liberals rarely, if ever, can, they figure, why try to convince 330 million citizens of the United States if they only have to convince one guy or woman in a black robe on a court? That's why liberals love the courts. Here's the quote. This is killer stuff. Why they're panicking over Kavanaugh. Quote, the short answer is that liberals fear their major cultural victories of the past half century are democratically illegitimate. Not a single one was won at the ballot box going back to the Supreme Court's 1965 Griswold decision, which recognized the constitutional right to contraceptives. From abortion to gay marriage, plus the host of less titillating issues, modern liberalism has lived by the court and liberals fear their cause will die by the court. Unless, that is, they block conservative encroachments into the judiciary by all means necessary. Bingo. Damn, is that a good piece. Now, it made its way onto Drudge. It's been moving around. It's at the show notes today. It's super short. It's probably 500 words. That was just, you can read that in a minute. Please read it, though. Because you need to understand the fight we're in. I'm bringing this up because, folks, even after these very questionable charges i think we can all agree at this point against kavanaugh even if they if the uh, if, if dr ford does not appear by monday which i don't think she's going to do and at that point kavanaugh has the, the with country has the right to move on you were given your opportunity you didn't take it don't be surprised if another saturday night surprise shows up too joe do you understand what what sorab's telling us in this piece he's telling us this is the end for them sure that once we get Kavanaugh on and we have originalists, people who interpret the law and the Constitution as it was written, not mm-hmm. as they'd want it to be, right? What 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 he's saying in this piece is that it's not going to get any better for them after that. Right. Now, I'm going to tell you what he really means by this. There is obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg is getting old. I uh, I don't read into that anymore. I'm not in I don't I'm a Christian man at heart. I'm a sinner, but I don't wish ill on anyone. I'm just saying, as a matter of chronological time, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who happens to be a liberal, is getting old. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is likely going to have to retire at some point from the Supreme Court. Democrats are not stupid. They see the economy turning around. They see what happened with Reagan. Remember, we might hit 4% growth this year. What did Reagan hit in 86? Was it 4, 6, and then he, hit, he went up to 6 the next year? Democrats, Joe, this is what's going on in their melons. They see the writing on the wall that this economy may just be at the beginning of a massive growth spurt that worries the hell out of them. You said, what do you mean worries them? Folks, take it to the bank, cash the check, spend the money and invest it. I'm telling you, they are terrified that this economy may be at the beginning of the recovery, not at the end. Realizing that. That in the next election, if Trump wins again, and we have six more years of this, the likelihood of Ruth Bader Ginsburg retiring, obviously, by a matter of simple chronological time, retiring by that point goes up dramatically every year. Now you're not just looking at a 5-4 majority on the Supreme Court. You're looking at a 6-3 or, God forbid, there's a tragedy. Someone else were to pass or, or, or you know, if someone were to retire, that could happen too. You don't know. People retire all the time. Look at Kennedy. A 7-2 majority. You are looking at a decades-long generational shift in the Supreme Court that the Democrats may never, ever get back. 
not only are you looking at the Supreme Court, remember, you're looking at the circuits and you're looking at the district courts as well. Folks, the Democrats would have nowhere to go. Their majority is not popular. They can't win legislatively on, on these, uh, you know, uh, men in the women's room agenda. They need to they need to convince judges in black robes. If they don't have the judges in the black robes anywhere to go, what would they have to do, Joe? What's the only fallback? The only fallback is to get people to vote for them, which mm-hmm. they can't do. They can't. They don't have popular appeal on just about any of their social issue items. None. Abortion up till the day of birth. They don't. This is what they want. They don't have it. They don't have it. So they're seeing. Now, are you understanding what why Kavanaugh to them is? This is it. They're figuring if they can stop him here. Joe, again, morals out the window. Mm-hmm. They will do anything. The Democrats have shown they have no morals. I so I said to you, and I meant that I wake up every day thanking the Lord I am not a Democrat. I would never do to a human being what they've done to Kavanaugh, right? Never. No. Once this, don't be surprised when this goes away with Miss Ford, if another's charge services, they will hold this thing open, this seat. They will stop Kavanaugh at all costs. I don't think they will, by the way. I think we're okay. I just want to be clear. I don't want to leave you in a bad note, especially on a Friday. I think we're okay because I think the Republicans now see what's going on. And and Chuck Grasley, for all my beefs with the Republican senators, Grasley has done a masterful job of handling this. He's given uh, Ms. Ford every opportunity to speak her mind, which was the right way to handle it, in my opinion. They're going to try to delay this thing and make it a campaign issue. And after the campaign, if that seat is still open, it will become, Joe, the 2020 referendum that the presidential candidate runs on. Because remember, if they can stop Kavanaugh, it's now Joe four four. Mm. It would be a there'd be an, an empty ninth seat. Their whole thing and liberal liberals and activists. This will be the call. I should have mentioned this earlier. They're not just they're not just doing that to to excite liberal voters. Hey, vote for us and look, we'll flip the Supreme Court black the other way. Look at the dipsy do flipperoo we picked. The, you got what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah. We'll keep this open throughout Trump's entire presidency. Yeah. Then we elect whoever Elizabeth Warren, and we get a liberal, and it becomes look at that. We just flipped them instead of going to the potential seven two conservative majority. I just told you about if Trump wins re-election, right? Mm-hmm. But the smart liberals, keep in mind, say nice and say good liberal. I said the smart ones that have the money. From what I'm hearing, are marshalling all of their money behind this efforts. I'm talking about, you know, some of the names. People with the big money, I'm not going to get into who they are, but you know who they are. They're marshalling the big money, Joe, behind this effort now, understanding fully what's at stake. And when I say the effort, I mean exactly what I just said. Keep Kavanaugh out no matter what you have to do to him and his family. Keep that seat open for two years, get a, a, a liberal in there. And nail that liberal majority down on the courts forever. The liberal people with the money understand fully what's at stake. That if Trump wins re-election, it's over for them for decades. They are the avenue through the courts to get their agenda passed. Having to convince one judge instead of 330 million Americans is over. And they know it. That was a fun show today. Yeah. I had a good time. Good week. Joe and I were dealing with little complications and some stuff, but I really enjoyed today's show. I hope you did too, folks. Thanks for another great week of listens. I really appreciate it. Again, I appreciate your patience with the spots. We try to keep them to a minimum. It's less than one-tenth of the show. So, uh, But uh, thank you very much, and thanks for all the emails. Please subscribe to my show. Uh, it's free on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. It helps us move up the charts, and it means the world to us. Thank you for everything. You're the best audience out there. Your feedback has been just priceless. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you all on Monday. 
See ya. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.